That's the Mile High Hoops podcast with me, Zach By, powered by my friends at Superbook Sports. Stand up, Nuggets Nation. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hoops podcast with Zach By. Denver Sports is your home for the most Nuggets content. Now here's your host, Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I am your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to another Denver Nuggets dub. Game three of the Western Conference Finals in what really, guys, um, was a must-win game for Los Angeles. This was a winner, win or go home game. Uh, I know that um, technically uh, it was not. But with the backdrop uh, of NBA history saying that no team has ever come back from a 3-0 to zero lead, or deficit rather, and you were at home in L.A., the Lakers simply had to have that game. They had to have it. It was a kitchen sink game. And they got blown out. They got blown out in a game that they had to have. I, I almost like, I, I can believe it. I really can. But at the same time, I can't. Like, the Denver Nuggets have never beaten the Lakers in a playoff series. The Denver Nuggets have never swept an opponent in any playoff series in franchise history. Think about that. They never they never swept someone, ever, since 1976. Never swept an opponent. So you've, you've never beaten the Lakers in a playoff series. You've never swept an opponent. You've never been to the NBA Finals, and you have a chance to check all three of those boxes on Monday night, Game 4 in Tinseltown. At the time of recording, it is about 9.30 on Monday morning. Uh, Appreciate everyone for being here uh, with me. It has been a crazy, crazy couple days. Uh, I got a lot of feedback from the most recent episode um, when we attached the uh, audio from me doing uh, uh, a, a national radio hit with ESPN Radio, um, was was proud of that as first time ever, and so we lifted that conversation and just dropped it at the end of the most recent episode, reacting to Game Two, and then it, it, it's it's so crazy. Like, so I never did that before, and then I do it on Thursday, get hit up on Friday to come back on on Sunday. So there I was back on ESPN Radio on Sunday which aired in, like, every single market because even in a market like Denver, you know, we're live and local throughout the day. But on the weekend, on a day like a Sunday, if we're, like, if Dan Jacobs or whoever comes in on Sundays isn't doing their show, um, we're pulling from ESPN National. So it was kind of cool to be on the fan on Sunday, but that's because we were pulling from Bristol, Connecticut. So it's just it's just been great. It's been really cool. I've already been on the morning show uh, this morning. The days have been long. Uh, the nights have been short. Uh, the, 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 the work has been a little bit more uh, than I'm used to. Kind of uh, going back to my days in Albany when I'd just be just freaking burning it at both ends um, uh, in, a, in a relentless pursuit to get to a, a place like Denver. So I kind of had those vibes where I'm like getting up, getting my son ready, coming in and doing the morning show, coming into the studio, recording the podcast, formatting the three-hour radio show, pulling off the three-hour radio show, and then doing a hit um, in, in a different market in the afternoon. So we did three of those last week in addition to uh, the national stuff. So it's just been a lot. And then you got the games at night, every other game, you know. And so 
uh, a lot of late nights. Um, but it's just been a blast, man. This is like, this is why, like, this is why. Just to give you a sports, uh, 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 media standpoint, like when I'm cutting my teeth in Albany or you know doing all this crazy stuff that I used to do to get to this point, you hope that it leads to a time period like this. Like this is so fun. Is it a lot of work? Yeah, it, but it's a blast. This is this is what it's all about. The Denver Nuggets are about to go to a place that they've never been before, and the way that it's all shaking out on the other side, and who their opponent could be. Like you can't you can't make this up. Like if you're in the league office, you're thinking, oh my gosh, we could have a Lakers Celtics, you know, finals, which is just printing money. I mean, that's best case scenario. Da 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 da. And then the the Celtics are on the verge of getting swept. The Lakers are on the verge of getting swept. I mean, it's just fantastic theater that I know is melting the minds of different people around the country uh, from the league office standpoint, from an ABC, ESPN standpoint, um, from uh, like, and then like a lot of like NBA Twitter, like for some reason, like they, they, they obsess over the ratings and I look at the ratings. I, I do um, because I'm in this business and, and, and I'm interested by it. But some people use use it as their compass of what they desire when they actually get no reward for the ratings. Like, it's, it's, it's hysterical. Like, I'm interested in it because I'm interested in it. But by some people, it's like the, the, the temperature of their NBA interest goes up and down with the ratings, the TV ratings that, like, give dividends to executives that you have no idea what they look like or what their name is. Um, it's just interesting. Uh, anyway, so the Nuggets are well on their way. They have the Lakers in a 3-0 vice grip. And how about this? I, on Twitter, and you can follow me at Byesline, B-Y-E-S-L-I-N-E, I, uh, I've been using, like, on the air here for years, like a, a camel clutch uh, reference or, like, a cross-face chicken wing, like some of these old-school, like, wrestling moves that, like, are really hard to get out of, and I I freaking went on Google and saved a picture of the Iron Sheik uh, having some tomato can just breaking his back. I mean, the pic is, you got to see the picture. The guy's getting bent in half. He's turning into the letter U, and the Iron Sheik is just cranking his spinal cord. And you know, I I I put a, a Nuggets logo on Iron Sheik and a Lakers logo on you know this jobber that's getting smashed by Sheik and. Um, I tweet, uh, the 3-0 vice grip has never been broken, right? Dude, the freaking Iron Sheik retweeted it to 644,000 people. I mean, that, that, made my, that made my Sunday when I woke up and saw the Iron freaking Sheik retweeting my, my Nuggets Lakers uh, camel clutch uh, meme. Goodness gracious. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the game. We should probably get to that. Um, uh, Jamal Murray. I mean, goodness gracious, what do you say about Jamal? I mean, the way that he started that game, that was a human being convinced he's Superman. That was a human being who thinks he can fly. I mean, what Jamal Murray did in that first quarter was absolutely brilliant. And, and just the first half, let, let me, let, let me, let me uh, uh, widen the net there. That first half from Jamal Murray was insane. He was he carried over the nuclear status from game two into that first half. To have thirty points at halftime was just brilliant. It was the ultimate tone setter, and it was such a squelching like 
of the spirit of the Lakers or like, okay, we have to have this game. We, 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 we lost, you know, game two because, you know, Jamal went nuts in the fourth quarter and that's why we lost. And, you know, we kind of roll our eyes at the shots he was hitting. And then you, then you uh, tip off the next game and he's doing, he's picking up in the exact same place where he started and finishes with the exact same scoring total, 37 points. I mean, just freaking brilliant. Jamal taking a blowtorch to the first half of basketball that ultimately set the table for um, a, a a Denver Nuggets route. I mean, I know the Lakers ended up, you know, uh, coming back, and I think, you know, taking a, a – was it a one-point lead in that second half? Was that all it, it, it got up to? I think it was. I think it was just – it wasn't more than two. I know that. Um but, you know, once they battle back and then the Nuggets go on like a 13-0 run, curtains. It, it's curtains. The Lakers do not have anything for Denver, especially when Jamal Murray is playing the caliber of basketball as he is right now. Uh, no one would put Jamal Murray uh, up until this point in the same category as, you know, fill-in-the-blank NBA superstar uh, but when he is at the peak of his powers, I'll be damned if he's not as good as anyone that this league has to offer. And he is crossing through the threshold of consistency. He is, and that's the and we've talked about it at nauseum on this podcast. There's about 55 to 60 guys in the NBA who can give you 30 on any given night. No joke, no joke. And we see it every single season. Uh, but who can do not 30 necessarily, but who can? be 27 a night who can be that version every single night and that's what Jamal Murray is doing right now that's what we've asked so for him even to do it for the three games in a row that he's done it in the series 31 points in game one uh 37 in game two 37 in in game three like we were the I think we were the bull we were the most bullish on Jamal in this series if you go back to the table setting episode um our bold prediction, our we we only made one. Our single bold prediction for this series was that Jamal Murray would average thirty for the series, and I said that on the radio um, to my co-host Stokely and to uh, my colleague Dmac, and uh, I I remember Dmac going like, "What? Like thirty? Going to average thirty for the series?" And, and I understand why. Um, you know, he had only done that one other time in his career, and that was in the bubble against Utah. Uh, but now he's averaging 35 after three games. Like, so I set the bar really high for Jamal, and he has jumped over it like a high jump. Like a high jump. He, and he's not even close to the bar. His, his, his back is so arched. He's, it's, it's like that guy in the camel clutch. Like, he, that, that's how much of an arch uh, um, uh, Murray's back has over the bar that I set for him that I thought was pretty stinking high. And, but that's the level that he's at right now. And you give him all the credit in the world. Give him all the credit in the world. He deserves it. 15 of 29 shooting, 5 for 11 from 3, uh, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, and he was a plus 18. No one had a better plus minus than Jamal Murray in Game 3. They, uh, uh, when he was on the floor, the Nuggets outscored the Lakers by 18 points. Hard to do uh, much better than that. When it comes to Jokic, uh, I did not think Jokic played well at all until it mattered the most. In the first three quarters, that was like one of the most lackluster Jokic games I can remember. And we've sort of been like, not pounding our chest, but almost pounding his chest, which sounds weird, but we're going to go with it, um, in saying that he never has bad games. Like, we've been saying that. Like, this is, this is, this is what, what uh, space you reach when you're the best player in the world, when your bad game can look like, um, 
what was it uh, earlier in the um, in the uh, Minnesota series? It was like no, or the uh, yeah, it was the Minnesota series when a uh, game number one where he had uh, a thirteen points and fourteen rebounds and six assists, or there was a game where uh, he shot eight of twenty nine. Uh, from the field against Minnesota, but he ended up with like 28 points, 17 rebounds, and 12 assists. So you like you watch it, you're like, I don't know if he played that great by his standards. And it's like, oh, he had 28, 17, and 12. <laughs> like that's kind of where we've been at with Jokic. Um, but this one was a little bit different. He was truly off. He was missing uh, bunnies that 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 his feathery touch has just mastered uh, at this point. Um, so that was really really unusual for me to see. Uh, for three quarters at a time. And then, like an Undertaker gif, he just sits up and starts dominating in the fourth quarter. 16 points in the fourth stanza. He finishes with 24 points, six rebounds, eight assists, did have a steal, uh, was in some foul trouble, um, did not play 40 minutes for the first time in this series. Uh, But you know what? When it mattered the most... That guy woke up like a bear after hibernation looking for something to eat. And he was brilliant in that fourth quarter. And the two-man game between him and Jamal, which apparently, you know, Jokic was asking for um, down the stretch of that game in the huddle, prompting Michael Malone to call Jokic uh, Coach Coach Jokic uh, after the game. So, look, you, 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 you just take it for what it is. Um, not gonna, not gonna overreact to the first three quarters of, of lackluster ball. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to focus more on uh, on the crunch time, high leverage moment in that game that um, that they stole on the road. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, what do you say about this guy? I mean, he continues to be consistent, and I mean, for him and Jamal to both to be answering these questions on the biggest stage that the Denver Nuggets franchise and organization has ever been on, and certainly the biggest stage as those guys have ever been on as they've only been Denver Nuggets in their career, for Porter Jr. to wind up with 14 points uh, and 10 rebounds, a career-high six assists, did not have a single turnover. I just, like, look at him in this series so far. 15-10 and in Game 1. 16 and 7 in game 2, 14 10 and 6 in game 3. Uh, wow. I mean, goodness. I uh, you know, just give him his flowers, give him his props, give him give him an applause. He didn't shoot it great. He did not. I mean, he if to go 4 for 11 that you know 36% from the from the field um but he didn't get bogged down. He didn't let the, uh, the you know, some of the offensive struggles and some, you know, uh, just just open uh, shots not go down uh, affect the rest of his game. And and to finish, like I said, 14, 10, and 6. Goodness gracious, man. Like, we've been talking a lot about Michael Porter Jr. Um, and just, you know, the same word we, we, we've used a bunch with him is just maturity. I mean, this guy, the questions about him and just his... Um, approach to just just I guess life and stuff has like turned some people off, and you know there could be some arrogance there, and just again, so just some general immaturity. Young guy with a pocket full of money, um, and you know fancies himself as a top tier, uh, a top tier. Um, what am I trying to say here? Like a like a like a one or a two. 
Like, that's, that's how MPJ views himself. But accepting the role of a three or a four, uh, and some nights a, a fifth option for a team that's trying to win a championship, and not just, not just say it into a microphone, and then not just say it into a microphone and be okay for a short period of time, and then regress back to your former mindset. The acceptance of this guy's role and the embracing of it is so, I, I don't want to say remarkable because I, I, it seems like he it was, it like, like was like a convict in turning it around. That's not what it is. But just to settle in and to, to who you are on this team, not who you'll be in three years, but to settle into who you are at 24 years old with this team, with these kind of options flanking you to the left and right, um, and the embracing of it is uh, you just tip the cap, man. You just you just tip the cap. When it comes to um, uh, KCP and Bruce Brown, uh, I want to give each of these guys their own flowers for different reasons, and Jeff Green too, and Aaron Gordon too. They're all going to be a part of this conversation. Um, Aaron Gordon continues to struggle. Okay, um, he just does. It looked like he hit a three early in that game, and his teammates were freaking fired up for him because they know what type of a struggle it's been for AG from the outside. And his freaking toe was on the line. And it was just so, like, like, like painfully ironic of, like, okay, the, the, the moment where he doesn't hesitate and just knocks down an open wing three, his tiptoe was on the line. It gets called back. He ends up 0 for 1 from 3, 2 of 5 from the field for just 7 points. Defensively, Good as always, okay? That's that's the hallmark of his game right now. But offensively, there's typically more. And that he's, he just hasn't been able to bring it um, the way that, 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 that he or we would have liked. Um, he's averaging under 10 points for the series. He averaged a 12.8 uh, in the Phoenix series. Um, so his scoring average has gone down for three straight series in a row from 13 to 12 to, to almost 10. Um but but when we talk about roles and, we, and when we talk about a team and when we talk about coaching, I mean, this is all part of this bigger conversation here. The way that Michael Malone handled the end of the basketball game deserves credit. And when we were coming into the series, we certainly talked about it on the radio show multiple times. And I think, I think we talked about it here on the podcast. Um, and it was the most under-talked about uh, dynamic of the series for my money of, of, of almost any dynamic. And we'll get to the big dynamic heading into the series that's been validated repeatedly as we look ahead to game four here in a second. But I said um, on the radio show, why are we not talking about in this massively important series, why are we not giving a huge uh, a checked box next to, next to Michael Malone when it comes to the coaching matchup of one of the most tenured coaches in the NBA against the first-time head coach. Why are we not talking about that as a major advantage for the Denver Nuggets? And you have a situation on the Lakers side where D'Angelo Russell has become uh, an unplayable player that uh, plays. Like an unplayable player that actually plays. And they're placating to personality. So like Ramona Shelburne has this report that like the Lakers – are considering, you know, taking D'Angelo Russell out of the starting lineup, um, but, like, that could prove to be problematic, or however she phrased it. Like, D'Angelo wouldn't be okay with it. And then Darvin Ham continues to start this guy. 
and he is killing them. He is killing them. He was one of eight from the floor, one of six from three, finishes with three points. He was a minus 12 in the game. He has been a minus every single game. They are running him off the floor. In the most previous game, in game two in Denver, they played him 33 minutes. Like, that's criminal. He was a minus 16 in, in, in game number two. So so you want to bench him. You want to bench him, but you won't because you're scared of the personality type and rocking the boat. Dude, it's the NBA playoffs. He was a in game number one in 26 minutes, guys, he was minus 25 when he was on the floor. Minus 25, just as a reminder, it was a six-point Nuggets win. He was a minus 25. So a minus 25 in game one, a minus 16 in game two, a minus 12 in game three. And that's coaching. You need to make a harder decision. Could you imagine if Michael Malone was playing someone with this sort of uh, dynamic around them? He would be getting crucified. Crucified. Now let's turn the coin over. What decision did Michael Malone make in the fourth quarter of game number three? He benched a $100 million player in Aaron Gordon, and he benched Contavious Caldwell-Pope in spots there in the fourth quarter uh, in favor of Jeff Green, who has struggled, and Bruce Brown, who's been great. But, like, you're playing Jeff Green, who's come under much criticism and has has just not been great. But you're saying, you know what, I don't know what, we're going to play similar size, but a little bit better of a shooter, a guy we trust a little bit more right now, other than Aaron Gordon, or or over Aaron Gordon, rather. And then KCP, who was fantastic in the third quarter, you're going to sit him down so Bruce Brown, who was just playing great at the time, and you're just going to continue to play that, you know, uh, a half stick of dynamite. And it worked. And it worked. So you have one coach on the other side who won't make a tough decision when it matters the most, when your season's on the line. And then you have another coach with a 2-0 series lead who is benching two starters uh, at, at stretches during that fourth quarter uh, to, pl- to play a guy who's been much maligned in Jeff Green, who's in like year 19, and, and, and Bruce Brown. Coaching matters. Decision matters. Give credit where it's deserved, man. Like, I'm not telling you that, that Michael Malone is Phil Jackson, okay? But... He's been better than Darvin Ham. Let's just start there. And he deserves credit for the buttons he's pushed in this series. Um, how about Bruce Brown, by the way, doing the freeze celebration at the Lakers bench? Holy moly. That guy has taken this so personally. Um, it's just been so fun to watch, man. Like After he does anything good, it's like he's giving a middle finger to the Lakers. Uh, metaphorically, but almost literally, too. <laughs> like he just is he is on one right now. Um okay, let's look ahead to game four here. Uh at the time of recording, like I said, it's Monday morning. Um the dynamic in this series that we isolated before it ever started, and we've banged banged it like a drum here consistently, is the every other day format killing LeBron and Anthony Davis. LeBron looks, this guy looks like he, he he's cooked. He looks physically cooked. 
Now he didn't. He 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 made some threes, so he gets to twenty three points. But it feels like feels like this guy to get to 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 thirty points would he he would need like lightning in a bottle. He averaged twenty nine a game this season, and it feels like him in this series scoring you know twenty eight points. Like what, what what would that even look like? Hasn't hit at one time. His scoring prop is set at like twenty five and a half, and he made three threes, hadn't made one three in the series, okay? Was 0 for 10 coming in, made three of them. And and, and if I told you, hey, I've been to the future, LeBron's going to find it from three, he's going to make three threes, he's going to play 43 minutes, what do you think he finishes with? I'd, I'd say, I don't know, 31 points? He couldn't get to 25. He rolled his ankle, not the ankle, he, not the foot he missed a ton of time with in the regular season, but like the opposite angle. So he just... That guy looks as mortal as I've ever seen him. As mortal as I have ever seen him. And now, after playing 40 minutes in game one, and then 48 hours later playing 40 minutes in game two, and then 48 hours later playing 40 minutes in game three, that guy is going to somehow be the best version of himself in game four, playing 40-something minutes with his season on the line? Guys, this could get ugly. This could get get ugly. And and, and let me just add this. It would be way uglier than it currently is for LA, and it's already bad if it wasn't for two guys, Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura. Like, uh, these guys have kept the Lakers afloat. Austin Reeves went 7 for 10 for 23 points in Game 3. So think about that. Austin Reeves scored the same amount of points in game three as LeBron James on half the shots. Half. Nearly. 19 compared to 10. But more efficient from three, efficient from the free throw line. Like LeBron's missing foul shots. LeBron missed three foul shots uh, on on uh, Saturday night. It's just, you know, Anthony Davis too. I mean, you know, missing free throws. And, you know, so is Jokic, by the way. What did Jokic? Yeah, he missed uh, three free throws as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so look, from the fatigue standpoint, I thought that was the biggest dynamic in this series coming in, and it's just proven to be correct. I mean, Rui once again scored in double figures. He's been fantastic this series. Uh, he's averaging 17 points a game for this series. Guys, Rui Hachimura averaged 11 points a game during the season. If he was just that version of themselves, the Lakers wouldn't, need, they're not in the series at all anyway, but they wouldn't be in any game. And they're barely in those anyway, with those guys playing over their head. So, wow. I mean, this thing, wow. So, what would make me believe, and I thought this was going to be Nuggets winning the series, but I had it Nuggets in seven. That's just a wrong prediction. So, like, if I'm going to pat myself on the back for, you know, getting stuff right, like, that is just, the Lakers had nothing for the Nuggets. I was completely wrong about that. Completely wrong about that. The fact that they are on the verge of, are they going to blow these guys out later tonight? <laughs> I think they could. I think they could. I think it could be a party. I think you could see that Staples Center crowd hitting the exits early. Or crypto.com arena, whatever. All right, we're going to leave it there for now. We'll be back tomorrow reacting to maybe an NBA Finals appearance. Wow. I was at a, um, a, uh, a birthday party, little girl turning three years old. And uh, yesterday on Sunday and surrounded by parents and kids and I'm playing with the kids and, you know, trying to keep my son safe and 
hands to himself and all this stuff. I thought about the same thing like 15 times with all this chaos around me at this birthday party. A parade, man. I can't stop thinking about it. A parade. I'm looking at the other side of the aisle. Boston Celtics on the verge of being swept. The Miami Heat, who are awesome and tough and just gritty. I don't think they'll have anything for Denver either over the course of seven games. There'll be a time and place to talk to that, uh, to talk about that. Um, but uh, it's just it's hard for me to, 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 to not think about it, right? And I know you are too. I know you are too. All right, we're going to leave it there for now. Guys, have a great Monday. I hope you enjoy game four. I hope we have a bunch of reasons to enjoy it. Um, Tell a friend about this podcast. Rate us five stars if you think we deserve it. Uh, Really appreciate the support we've been getting here. Uh, This has been fantastic. Could this podcast five-year journey, um, could we be talking about the NBA champs? God, it's so fun, so exciting. All right, we're going to leave it there for now. Guys, whatever happens In game four, you already know, we're going to be talking about it on Tuesday morning right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the Mile High Hoops podcast powered by Superbook Sports. Until next time.